Welcome to another Conversations of the Way episode, and uh, we're actually going to, um, this is going to be um, a three-parter. Uh, is that even a word? Three-parter? I don't know. But we're going to, it's going to be three parts to this, and it's going to be about how should we pray. So let's go ahead and get started. I hope you guys en enjoy the next um, few weeks. Um, talking about prayer and um, I hope it um, gives you a better or deeper insight on what praying is all about. So as we know that one of the pillars of the faith is prayer. Even if we're not raised in a strict faith-based family, we knew that prayer was part of it. We see it not only in faith assemblies, but we also see it in events outside of traditional faith-based activities. Activities like graduations, sports, and ceremonies. We may not see it as often as we used to, but you get the point, right? I learned how to pray by watching others. I was not given any type of formal training like I believe most of us did not. The physical action of it, of praying, seemed rather easy to me. But I did not understand how it worked. It appeared to me that all I had to do was bow my head, maybe do something with my hands, and just start talking. It's pretty simple, right? As I started reading the scriptures more and praying more, I started to ask myself if I was praying correctly. Was the Father even listening to my prayers? I believe that we cannot package in a prayer like we do, like well, these the way we try to do with everything in our lives. It cannot be explained in a few bullet points. Prayer is much bigger than that. Prayers are a direct line to the creator of it all. It is hard to imagine it if you think about it too hard. But I also do not think that prayer should be difficult and that it is as easy as having a conversation with your best friend, as he should be your best friend. So the following is an attempt to understanding it. Do the scriptures tell us how to pray? I would say it does. My first thought was to see how certain characters in the scriptures prayed. It is good to see at what others do that have a proven record and take notes on how they've done it. I was going to see how Noah, Abraham, and of course Christ prayed. Then I remember that Christ himself told us how to pray. We see this in two books, Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. In Luke 11, we see that one of the disciples asked the Messiah on how we should pray. But we're going to use Matthew 6 for this conversation. We're going to break this down in three major components and break those down in subcomponents. I'll work better with structure, steps, and processes, so bear with me. We're going to start with what to do pre-prayer. Before we do what we traditionally think we need to do, we can break 
pre-prayer down into two steps, starting in verse 5 of chapter 6 of Matthew. First, Christ tells us not to be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites are the Pharisees in the time of Jesus. We know this because Christ says that they stand in the synagogues and at the street corners so they can be seen by others. Only Pharisees and those of the same faith were allowed in synagogues and not Gentiles. But we will discuss them in a bit. Christ mentions that the Pharisees already have received their reward when they do this. It does not say what reward is that, but reading the verses before, I am discerning that is the glorification of men. The people around them will praise how bold, righteous, and holy they are for praying out in public. Christ says we should go into a room, close the door, and pray in private. And then the Most High Himself will give us a reward. And who better to, re to receive a reward from than from Him? We are already seeing consistency that the Father likes us to do good in private without boasting. In the beginning of chapter 6, we see Christ speaking on giving to those in need. And He uses the same understanding. Christ says that when we give to the ones in need, we should give it in secret. Not practicing our own righteousness, because if we do not, we will receive no reward from the Father. The same goes for prayer. Am I saying that we cannot pray in a group or that we can never pray in public? Of course not. We see it all through the scriptures where the disciples prayed in a group and in public. But we, are, but we individually should not be praying out in public with the intent for others to think how righteous we are. Second, we should not pray like the Gentiles, like the people of other nations, that pray many and empty words, thinking that if they do this, they will be heard. I am thinking this could also be repetitive prayer. We do not want to pray like this. The Gentiles, or the people of other nations in this context, were people that were not even praying to the Creator, to the, to the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were praying to gods of wood and stone that do not move or speak. And we can see this all over the scriptures. The Father warning us not to be like the rest of the nations. Now we come to the meat of it. We know we should be praying in private and our prayers, our words, should not be many or empty. Does this mean that our prayers should be limited to 5,000 characters? No. And we're going to discuss that later. Christ goes on verse 9 through 13 showing how we should pray. He says, After this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, transgressions, as we forgive our deb debtors transgressors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen we're going to break this down into seven sections we will notice that the first three 
are focused on the Father and the last four are focused on us. It reminds me of the Ten Commandments where the first four are focused on Him and the last six are focused on us. Let us start with Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. We are starting our prayer by acknowledging who we are praying to. If Christ is directing his prayer to the Father and no one else, it appears that we should do the same. We see Moses doing the same in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 24. Moses starts his prayer by acknowledging the Father. We can also see this in the New Testament in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, where Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the Father. I also believe that this is a great opportunity to thank him. It feels right to me to give him thanks for everything in my life before I pray for anything else. We can see Christ giving an example of this in John chapter 11 verse 41 before Lazarus rises from the dead. We should enter his presence with a grateful heart, knowing that he already knows our needs before we do, as Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 states. We do not only acknowledge who we are speaking to, but, we're, but we also acknowledge what he is. The word hollow means holy or set apart. To respect and honor. To revere. It sets up the understanding that we are about to start a conversation with someone who is holy and then deserves all honor and glory. His name is holy. We can see all throughout the scriptures that he is jealous of his name. A few examples are Ezekiel chapter 39 verse 2 and of course one of the Ten Commandments state that we should not take his name in vain. Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. Verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. End quote. We first acknowledge who we are praying to, and now we're acknowledging that one day, as prophecy states, His kingdom will come and His will will be done. We're acknowledging that no matter what this world thinks or does, the time will come where He will reign completely. His kingdom is in heaven right now. But what about here on earth? While we wait for His kingdom, we should be doing His will here on earth. Many of our prayers at time becomes a shopping list of the things that we want. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking. I've always said, you do not ask, you do not get. So ask. James chapter 4 verse 2 agrees with me. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. End quote. Hey, maybe this is where we got this saying from. But we have to ask according to His will and not ours, as 1 John chapter 5, verse 14-15 through 15 states, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. End quote. So you may ask next, okay, I know that if I ask for anything according to his will, I will receive. Then what is his will? We can go really in depth on this and we will another conversation, 
But to stay within the boundaries of this conversation, I will point back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. End quote. We must do our best to keep all his commandments, and all we ask of him will be given to us according to his will. We must understand that he knows better what we need than what we think we need. A good earthly father knows that if his child asks him for a snack right before bed, it may not be the best thing for the child. The child may think that there's nothing wrong with that, but his dad knows better. The child may get mad and even have a temper tantrum, but his dad knows best. He's doing it for his own good, even if the child may not understand it. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. This reminds me of Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will they give him a serpent? Neither with your heavenly father. End quote. Final thoughts. How great is it that we can go somewhere in private and spend time with someone that has counted all the hairs on your head, as Matthew chapter 10, verse 30 states. He knows everything about you and loves you even more than you can understand. It is hard to trust anyone in the world we live in today. This makes it hard to talk to anyone about your fears, worries, and concerns. We're scared that they're going to judge us for our weaknesses and kick us while we're down. But you are his child, and he wants to listen to everything you have to say. He wants to hear about your good days and bad days. So as Philippians chapter 4, verse 6-7 states, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with the thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Father. And the peace of the Father, which, is, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. End quote. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 and Hebrews chapter 13 5 confirms that he, that he will never leave us or forsake us. Okay, guys, I hope and pray that this conversation has brought you blessings and has stirred your spirit to seek him more and more. I also hope that you join me in the second part of this conversation as we keep seeking the wonderful experience of prayer. Until next time. Thank you.